Welcome to the Yours in Marketing Podcast. Hey, it's Blake here. If this is the first time that you're joining us on the Yours in Marketing Podcast, do me a favor. Please go wherever you get your podcast, doesn't matter where, and please review, rate, subscribe to the podcast right now. Well, or after the episode, whichever works for you. We're really looking for your support so that we can build this and make it even more valuable for you. So please rate, review, and subscribe the Yours in Marketing podcast. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. On today's episode, I was able to speak with Steve Toth, who is the SEO manager of strategy at FreshBooks. And Steve is a great mix of creative and analytical, and he brought a ton of valuable SEO knowledge to the table in our discussion. Here's an idea of what we discussed and what you're going to learn from this episode. We focus first on why the top of the funnel gets ignored, but really shouldn't. Then we moved on to talking about the middle of the funnel and what really belongs in the middle of the funnel. What kind of content is that really? Something we don't talk about very often. And finally, we discuss his journey from agency life to in-house work at a company like FreshBooks. So if you're an SEO and you want to learn more about SEO or you know, you're, you're just starting out, this episode is really for you. Steve is a great resource, a great follow on social media. So without any further ado, let's get right into the episode. All right. So today on the show, we have Steve Toth with us. Steve, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? I'm doing well, Blake. Feeling awesome. All right. So Steve is the SEO lead over at FreshBooks. What other passions do you have that we should know about right off the bat? Well, I mean, we're here to talk about SEO, so that's a primary passion. But uh, (laughs) some of the other ones are definitely spending time with my family and also playing guitar and uh, like sort of headphones and audio and car audio. All that stuff's my my jam. Awesome. Well, I know that when you're not doing things with your family, you're basically just doing SEO, right? You're an SEO junkie. Yeah, pretty much. I try to sneak in learning the odd song here and there, but yeah, it's a lot of SEO. <laughs> so who uh, who are the, the main SEO thought leaders, the bloggers, whoever it may be that you follow consistently? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple of different spheres of SEO sort of influencers out there. Like, I'm definitely pretty familiar with all the sort of major players on Twitter, um, you know, whether that's Cyrus Shepard or mm-hmm. some of your previous guests like Kevin Indig or Dancher or, you know, sort of that, that group of people. But also like what I find like is really useful is to follow sort of emerging people on Facebook. Like Facebook is actually a really popular hub for um, SEO, like especially in some different groups. So there's a few groups like SEO Signals Lab, local client takeover that I frequent a lot. And uh, guys like Kyle Roof and Ted Kabitis to the people that I really look up to. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's kind of a cool way to, way to do it. Usually people are just like, they know Brian Dean or they know Rand Fishkin and that's kind of where they stop. But it's cool to, to dive into emerging people. Yeah, for sure. There's a, there's a lot going on on Facebook and it's uh it's some, something that I like to really keep track on and yeah, like bring that to, you know, some of my work at FreshBooks and also some of my mm. work with, you know, different clients. Let's, let's just talk about FreshBooks really quickly and we'll, well, I'm sure we'll get back to this, but tell us a little bit about what you do over there and why you're passionate about it. 
Sure. So, um, yeah, I moved, uh, moved there from being in the agency world for seven years. And uh, it was really a cool uh, sort of transition into a company that's uh, mature enough, but still has that kind of startup feel to it. Yeah, I joined there uh, in sort of like April 2018 mm-hmm. and uh, have really enjoyed it thus far. Um, we've had a lot of success there, ranking some pretty difficult keywords. And um, my main role there is to head up strategy, whereas there's another SEO manager who's more focused on technical SEO. And uh, the two mm-hmm. and two of us pretty much complement each other really well. So backing up then, now that you're at FreshBooks, that's kind of where you're at now, but obviously you have this entire journey behind you. So let's dive a little bit into that and talk about, you know, what was your first exposure to SEO? What was your first exposure in the digital marketing world? Yeah. So I was, um, I mean, SEO specifically, I was working as a copywriter at a web development company and, um, I was, uh, the person who basically started their blog way back in like 2010. And, Mm. uh, and I just started experimenting with different, you know, keywords. And I remember my first keyword that I ever ranked for was how do I redo my website or like when <laughs> to redo my website. And it was just something that, you know, I had just tried. And I remember I, I, I ousted Seth Godin's blog and I thought that was really cool. <laughs> That's that's awesome. So how how long ago was this? Uh, th- this is in 2010. So Got yeah, yeah. Uh, beyond that, after working for that web development company, I uh, I went on to work for an internet marketing agency called Techwise. I actually started there as a social media manager in 2011. But like very quickly from like day one, I realized that SEO is what I wanted to do. Like I always mm-hmm. sat right next to the SEO manager, and I started blogging about SEO. Like even when I wasn't like maybe qualified to, but I had like just an extreme interest in it. So yeah, just like blogging from a very early uh, stage in my career and uh, following through, you know, to start managing the content marketing uh, service for that agency and then local SEO and then eventually became the SEO director a couple of years later. What was the biggest difference, I guess, between agency life and now that you're in-house, what are the key differences and what do you prefer? What are the kind of the pros and cons of it all? Well, I would say that like anybody starting out in their career, agency is like an amazing place to be. And I mean, hey, I spent seven years there, so it wasn't just in the beginning of my career. But um, you're just sure. you're immersed uh, in an environment where things are very fast paced. There's a lot of people who you're accountable to, uh, not just one sort of stakeholder being like a, working at an in-house company. It's a really good environment for just learning and uh, being able to also share what you learn with other people. So, you know, I really do like... Like, um, look very fondly back at my time uh, working at agencies for that reason. Being at an in-house company and particularly a SaaS, I like the fact that, you know, I can focus on one thing. I can watch a SERP like really, really closely over a long period of time mm-hmm. and learn a lot from that. Whereas with agency, you're sort of, you've got, you know, different priorities and you may not be able to watch one thing like as closely as, as maybe you, you'd like. So I really like that. And then also just being at a SaaS, it's it's very clear cut as to whether you're winning or losing because you can see the trial numbers come in, you can see the upgrade numbers come in, and uh, and it's it's very clear cut. Whereas on the agency side, oftentimes you're depending on your client to give you that feedback in terms of how the leads were, how many leads did they get, how many sales did they mm-hmm. close. Whereas with SaaS, you've got dashboards that show you all of that right to you. And at the agency, were you working with B2C clients and B2B clients? Because obviously with the SaaS company, you're, you're strictly 
typically dealing B2B usually. Yeah, FreshBooks all B2B. But uh, in my time at TechWise, it was a mix. And then the last agency I worked for, it was strictly B2B. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it is the, the volume of leads is lower. So it's a little bit easier to get that feedback. But at the same time, is your client going to tell you, hey, everything's going just amazing. Like, uh, you know, you've got nothing to worry about. They're never really going right. to be that transparent <laughs> with you. So uh, that's why it's kind of cool on, on the in-house SaaS side to see that like without any um, ambiguity. Sure. So having been at an agency, now you're in-house, Having had, you've had these different variations of, of experiences, but how did the experience in the agency lead you to where you are now? I think just having the ability to grow and progress your career like through an agency and kind of move up the ranks because you're doing well and you're really dedicated to to your craft, I think you know that's definitely what allowed me to be in the position that I am today um, at FreshBooks, sort of being able to head up a strategy for like a 300 person company. So, you know, just just being able to get that experience under your belt and uh, and to really also another thing about agency life is like, and it shouldn't be underestimated as the experience you get with dealing with clients and interacting with clients is extremely valuable to, you know, your everyday life, whether, you know, you become sort of a freelancer or you're, mm-hmm. you're dealing with with internal stakeholders, that kind of experience. Uh, it's really like, I don't think you can get a better environment to learn in. Is that something you particularly enjoy speaking with clients? So, cause a lot of, a lot of SEOs, you know, in particular specialists will prefer to be in the work, be more analytical, um, not necessarily be as client facing. Is that something that you do enjoy? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a hybrid because I love the strategy. Like I love, I'm um, really making sure that the results that we're uh, producing are, you know, like we're putting in high quality work and that, you know, we're being very accurate with the the way that, you know, we want things to sort of pan out. And then I get a real satisfaction from talking to people who aren't necessarily SEOs and, you know, just sort of um, just clarifying it a little bit for them because like mm-hmm. SEO is such a murky topic and like, you know, there's not a lot known about it. There are a lot of biases that people have about it. So, you know, getting the chance to just break it all down for people is something that I really enjoy. And, and I love when people walk away and they, you know, they're a lot more educated and informed and they, they you know, you can just build trust that way. Do you, do you think that small business owners or, or, you know, even enterprise companies, do you think that leaders should actually have a pretty solid understanding of SEO themselves? Or do you think that it's sufficient enough to just have a good team around you? I think that you've got to trust your leads. Like if you're, you know, in a large company and you, you don't know the questions, let's say to ask in an interview when you're hiring an SEO person, you know, that could be problematic because you might end up hiring the wrong person and then trusting the wrong mm-hmm. thing. So, you know, I'd really encourage you to kind of look at some of the there I believe there are some like quizzes and stuff like that online I think Moz did one where you could like basically ask a person 50 questions and get a pretty good gauge as to whether or not they know their stuff mm-hmm. but you know in terms of like uh, actual business owner or like say a VP of marketing I, I think it's important to you know grasp the bait like at least the basic understanding of like what can get you penalized and what what is safe and effective right. because if you don't know that um, um, you know, you could end up in hot water um, hiring the wrong person, whether that's like a person in-house or an agency that, you know, you may think is really trustworthy, but 
may not, may not be. So I, what, what would be some of the main questions? If, if you were interviewing me right now, what would be some of the main questions about SEO that you would look for in somebody that you're hiring? Uh, the one that I always ask in interviews is like, how has SEO changed? And that to me gives me a really good sense of how like sort of on the ball this person is with following industry, mm-hmm. industry news and like uh, uh, sort of how things have progressed because SEO, as you know, like it can change within, you know, days, right? And Absolutely. if you're, and if you're, if you're not really like sort of following the beat, so to speak, whether that's on Twitter or that's on Facebook or that's listening to Webmaster Hangouts or whatever, whatever it is you do, you, you're going to get left behind. So I always like to ask like, you know, in the last year, what are some of the major changes that you've seen in SEO? So, uh, well, in that vein, I guess now the way, the way that I see it, at least SEO is going a lot the way of user experience. Now Google has always been on top of this where they're trying to value the best answer over anything else. But now it's, it really seems like user experience is so crucial, maybe more than ever. And a, a big part of that, I guess, would be just you know how how easy it is for people to to find answers and how easy it is for people to have a good experience on a website and things like that. So, in terms of user experience and SEO, how close do you think we are to basically considering those as the same thing? Like they can't exist without each other. Well, you can't you can't lead a horse to water and force it to drink, right? So, like I think that's kind of the mindset that you have to go about when you're considering UX's role in SEO. Whether or not Google is actually measuring user engagement as much as we'd like to think is still up for debate. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they've said that they don't use Google Analytics data. You know, they may use data that they get from Chrome. It's not a hundred percent. I mean, like there are some some you know interesting experiments like uh, Rand Fishkin's Pogo stick experiment where he got a whole crowd of people to click on like the eighth result and watch it go up and then sort of it goes back down if that those clicks aren't consistent you know Mm -hmm. in terms of the SERP UX like I think that they're a little more advanced there but in terms of like how engaged and satisfied a person is on a website it's still up for debate a little bit but that said like if you're ranking and your page is not not converting or if you know you're not running different tests or at the very least a heat map I think you're missing out on a huge opportunity. Sure. Another another part of the user experience is just considering the entire journey that a user might be taking. And, and something that you talk about and that you're kind of passionate about is not just focusing. Everybody has this tendency to focus on bottom of the funnel. That's what drives the bottom line. You know, we, we want conversions. We want things now. We want our ads to convert. We want even bottom of the funnel SEO downloads. If the, you know, there, there's all kinds of talk about bottom of the funnel, but what about the rest of it? What about all the other, the top and the middle that people are kind of missing out on? Yeah. I mean, like I sort of run into this on a very consistent basis, whether it was working at an agency or even in-house at FreshBooks where, um, you know, there's sort of a, used to be like a trial or die mentality. Whereas like if this piece of content doesn't produce trials, we're just going to kill it off. And it's been sort of a an ongoing uh, education piece to kind of veer people towards being able to invest in, in more top of funnel, mid funnel content. I mean, one of the things that's hugely important to SEO are links, right? So the way I try sure. to sort of sell it is that, you know, your top of funnel content, that sort of, you know, those informational like power pages and stuff like that, those are all where your links are going to come from, right? So they're not going to come from that 
that very bottom funnel sales page because that's just all about you and who's going to want to link to that, right? So I just have to sort of readjust the KPIs that and the expectations around top funnel content. And I think, you know, once you're doing that and you're able to articulate, articulate that in a way to executives, you can get buy-in. I think there's this common misconception out there. People, especially business owners that are really obsessed with driving the bottom line, they view any other stages of the funnel other than bottom as less than. So what what would your counter to that thinking be? I mean, you have to be able to, you have to be willing to invest in SEO long term. If you're just dealing with, you know, pay, paid search, then all the power to you. Go Go as bottom funnel as you want. But if you are willing to invest, you know, six, eight, 12 months sometimes to, towards a campaign, the, you know, that's when you're going to see uh, gains come from, from SEO. So, you know, I, I, I think like it's actually it's sort of a, your question has to be approached in two stages. It's first of, first of all, the stages, are you willing to invest in SEO? You know, are, you know, and that's tough. If some people have had bad experiences, I can totally get why they're not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once, once they are and, you know, they're willing to put budget aside to have that long-term investment at that stage that we say, okay, then we've got to, we've got to target, you know, the whole sort of digital marketing framework. For for the average business owner out there that's thinking, you know, why would I invest in something that's going to take a long time when I could just you know run ads right now to to drive revenue? Why? What would you suggest to that business owner? Why SEO should be considered even if it will take longer? Well, I mean, I think you just have to like if you're the one who's trying to convince them because you want to do the work, you've got to show them results. I I can I can point to some examples that we've done at FreshBooks recently where, you know, within like eight months, we, you know, created a page that's basically the equivalent of $40,000 a week in AdWords revenue in AdWords um, spend. So, I mean, that didn't happen overnight. But, you know, I can show you that progression and what we actually did over the course of those eight months and then, you know, give you a better idea of, uh, of, of what it's going to take and, and how long it's going to take to get there. That's, that's really interesting. I was, I was actually going to ask you more about some of those success stories. So, do you, I mean, do you have any other success stories from clients, whether it was at the agency or, or what you're doing now at FreshBooks that kind of show the impact of going beyond just bottom of the funnel? Yeah, definitely. So, I worked with, um, used to work with a, a law firm here in Toronto and it was a criminal law firm and uh, their, their website was like going nowhere. Like they were just like doing nothing. They were actually about to cancel their services with, with, uh, with our agency. And, um, you know, I said to that client, like, you've got to like start writing some blogs about like, is it a crime to blank? Right. Mm-hmm. So they, they started writing these blogs and they became like hugely successful, like earned tons of links. Like it turns out like people would search this kind of stuff and then post it on Reddit. So like we would have like all of these links coming from Reddit and all this like referral traffic and whatnot. And, you know, we, we, we took them to like, you know, getting 500 people a day on their website, earning links organically and therefore boosting the rest of their link, their rankings through internal linking. I, I, every SEO has to have a, a law firm and, and a dentist, right? Yeah. Like you have to have those or else you're not an SEO. 
Pretty much. Yeah. Or a plastic <laughs> surgeon too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, that's really impactful to, to just see like they're, they're these small things, but they compound over time. I think that's really indicative of what SEO really is. And a common misconception is that clients or, you know, business owners will come to the table and say, all right, we need to do SEO. We know we need to do it just because we hear that that's what we need to do. And we need X amount of leads and X amount of traffic by next month without realizing that it's a journey and it's, it's not necessarily next month we're going to do X, but it's finding those simple strategies that you know will work. Maybe thinking outside of the box sometimes, maybe, you know, even thinking within the box works a lot of the time, but ultimately it's, it's a compounding effect that you just have to be consistent over time. Yeah, I think I absolutely, you're hundred percent right on that. And like one of the things that I, I also find is a, an easy way to um, get clients interested or get people who aren't doing SEO industry interested is to really break down what their competitors are doing and then they get super mm. interested right away. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the most effective way just showing, you know, Y company is doing this and Z company is doing this and you're not doing anything. So you're really missing out. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes people hear that story about, Hey, I need SEO. I hear SEO is great. And they're just not a good fit for SEO. And then you have to tell them, right? Like not everybody's going to be uh, well suited towards that. So well, what, what are some examples of companies that you've, you've seen or industries that you've seen that weren't a good fit? I've had people contact me about like, there was somebody who contacted me and I'm not, not going to say the name, but it was like sort of like a skill sharing platform where like you could like, instead of like getting, learning uh, how to play guitar, like you could play, you could learn how to play guitar, like from somebody local who would teach you or learn how to sew and stuff like that. And Got I was it. just like, you know, it just seems like such a stretch, right? Like if I'm going to say, learn how to sew in Toronto, like, and then the, you know, only a small slice of the people who would actually like uh, search that keyword be willing to like go to somebody's house and and learn how to sew like, like it's just it it just it's just not like a good fit so mm-hmm. I, you know i just i just i'm really honest with people when when they come to me and 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 they you know have their website whether or not you know it is a good fit because like i don't want to be having an awkward conversation six months down the line as to why it didn't work sure well, let's take the inverse of that. Like, are, are there any industries or companies in particular that you've seen historically that almost always work well in SEO? Well, the ones you mentioned, your uh, dentist, your lawyer, your plumber, your plastic surgeon, th- those are like pretty like like much like staples of a lot of smaller internet marketing sort of SEO agencies. Sure. You know, the in what I'm doing right now at like B2B SaaS, like it's um I would say that it's a really interesting field because that's one of the fields where one of the sort of sectors where you can really blend like that mofu type content mm-hmm. to to drive leads, right? Because people are really doing a lot of research because they're potentially investing a lot of money into working with another company on the b2b side so for freshbooks it's natural i mean like people are asked to send you know invoices every day or they're just not familiar they're not uh, happy with quickbooks or whatever it is mm-hmm. sorry slight jab at quickbooks <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh and then they look for a new accounting software or new invoicing software so so it's pretty pretty natural for us to appear in those searches What's interesting that most of the ones that other outside of FreshBooks, everything that you just named, all pretty much relies on local SEO. 
whether yeah. it's plumbers, lawyers, um, dentists, you know, things like that. So I, th- I think there's something to be said for that too. Do you feel like local SEO has a lower barrier to entry or, you know, is it, is it easier to get wins from local SEO than just, you know, a typical B2B SaaS SEO strategy? Well, I mean, it all depends on your market and your competition. There's always going to be people uh, wanting that spot instead of you. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's, it's easier. It's just different. But, you know, I, whether you're local SEO or you focus on national SEO, you're, can be damn sure that Google's trying to make your job harder. <laughs> so yeah, you've, you've got to be like really on, on the ball. And like one of the things that, you know, I really like kind of, kind of come to realize is that ranking in really difficult, uh, SERPs, like I don't think like being passionate is like enough these days. I think like you really have to be obsessed because right. I mean, like all, all the people who are, you hear about like these people who are ranking in crazy niches like casinos and stuff like that. Like they're, you know, really like they're, they're doing, they're just, they're just living SEO. And, and you've got to, you, you have to just realize that like the people like who, who are, who are doing the best are the people just putting the most time in and, and uh, not necessarily just the most time per se, but like also the most mental energy and, uh, and, you know, just, uh, dedication. Uh, something in there you said is really interesting. It made me think Google is their, their whole goal is to make searching and finding answers to things as easy as possible for the user. But what do you think, how do you think they feel about SEOs? Do you, uh, like, what do you think their relation is toward people that are actually doing SEO? Uh, I mean, like there's people doing SEO in different ways. So if you're talking about black hat SEO, they're obviously not too fond of those people. For sure. You know, I, I, I feel like Google, you know, you're, you're, you're right about like the answer thing, like just wanting to get people their answer the, the fastest way possible. But they're also doing some things that to me don't make the most sense, like in, in, in SERPs where they're just like bringing in like all these different features, whether it's like people also ask or carousels mm-hmm. and all this stuff it almost seems like overwhelming to me as as a user and like you know i can watch some of the click-through rates just go like way down in those serps compared to serps that don't have as many uh serp features that's 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 also interesting because i've thought about this too It, it seems like the serps are going the way of you know if google can control it as much as possible and not actually have your link there that's gonna be ideal for them but then ultimately, like you mentioned, it makes it way more difficult for me to just get a full answer. Sometimes those little featured snippets with answers in them, the, the knowledge cards, they're nice and they answer my question right away. But usually it doesn't answer the full question or even a part of it. So it just makes it a little bit more difficult. And now you actually have, they, they just released the podcast snippets where you can yeah. listen to the podcast in the browser, just adding another feature in there. And at some point you have to wonder how are we actually going to be able to optimize for the SERP if all we can do is try to get into a knowledge card or in a featured snippet? Yeah. And yeah, is it even worth it in some cases to try to go after SERPs that are so, that have those types of features so present, right? A lot of the times, like, you just have to, you know, like, look at it and like be like oh well even even cert features aside google is fa- favoring um you know aggregators right so like if mm-hmm. it's um software like freshbooks you know uh, sites like software advice or g2 crowd or uh, captera like those yep. those sites are really dominating a lot of the the search results whereas you know like years ago like that wasn't the case 
Yeah, for sure. We, we I see that all the time as well. Just you know, you can't outrank Capterra. It's it's not going to happen. And so you get you're getting pushed down by these review sites. You're getting pushed down by other features. And at some point, it's just you know you don't know if it's really worth it to go after that. And as that happens, obviously those are that's happening on a lot of more general SERPs. But as the long tail variations of your keywords, you know that that might be happening to those as well down the road. And that might change the entire landscape of how we do SEO. Yeah, for yeah, total you're totally right. And like I think like, you know, as long as that's not happening, the long tail is a good way to tackle something like that. Like I'll just give you an example from FreshBooks is sure. like the accounting software SERP is very um sort of I w I don't want to say polluted, but it's it's got a lot of those sites in it, it's got a lot of features, it's you know, going to be very hard to, to crack that. And even if you do, you may, you may only be in like position eight or nine and like that CTR right. is going to be like 1% or under. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, looking at long tail vari- variations, like accounting software for small businesses might be like something that, that you want to go after instead, because that SERP has got a lot fewer features on it. And, uh, and it's also still really targeted at, at the type of user you want to attract. Do you think do you think that's all kind of part of Google's scheme to just get you to pay more for ads? Absolutely. So like for for accounting <laughs> software, if there are all, you know, if there are all these features, and then there's Captera and all these things, you know you're never going to rank number one for it. It just incentivizes you then to to bid on ads because that's still always going to be in the top spot. Thousand percent. <laughs> So, so SEO is really like they're trying to blend it into PBC as much as possible, obviously, to drive their own bottom line. But it, it's an interesting landscape right now. And it's still, it's still definitely possible to do good SEO. But I, I foresee that it, it might be increasingly more difficult to rank for keywords that matter for your business down the road. I mean, I think Google has already done that and will continue to, to make efforts towards that. But there's also still going to be searches where there are a high volume of people searching a keyword every day. And, and even if you're not getting the CTR that you used to get, that it's still valuable traffic to get. But obviously you have to play sure. that like for, for each specific scenario that you're trying to tackle. Yeah, I th- I think that lends itself to the idea that it, it might be more worth it, like you said, to go after longer term variations or even top of the funnel keywords. So going go a little bit more question based and trying to get a little bit more informational. But when when you do that, I guess my question would be, how can we actually use top of the funnel content effectively if the end goal for a business is still to drive leads, it's still to close deals? Well, I I think that one of the things that you know I talked about like actually in front of the whole company at FreshBooks um, when we got the chance to speak at an all hands meeting is how you know top of the funnel content like it plants the seed in that user's mind like at the very top of the journey and that if somebody is like becoming familiar with your brand let's say with a very helpful piece of content that that you create that's completely like informational and just helps them like for example one of our cases would be like what is an invoice or something like that Mm -hmm. that when they're further down along in their journey like even if we're not ranking number one they still may click on us maybe more likely to click on us because they've already had that familiar with our brand and that's why another thing why a brand is so strong too right because it it, right. it it can actually influence your click-through rate in a SERP too I, that's exactly what Moz did I mean they built they they built their software obviously they were an agency first and then the software company but they kind of built it all on the back of the beginner SEO guide and then all the this other content that they produce and now that's a huge driver of traffic to their website that 
Con- I, I would imagine, I don't know the numbers on it, but I imagine that it actually converts pretty quickly because people are so familiar with that brand now. Yeah. Or if you look at um, the story of HubSpot going back to like when I first started SEO around 2010, they had something called Website Grader, which everybody was just nuts about because you would just put your website in there and it would give you a grade and it was kind of cool, told you some things to mm-hmm. fix. I don't think they have it around anymore, but like it was a hugely uh, popular piece of content for them that really put them on the map. Yeah, how do you how do you feel about creating pieces of content that actually have functionality into them? Like a lot of SEO agencies now will use like a white label SEO audit tool, or there are all kinds of calculators out there. How how do you feel about that as part of a strategy? I guess, and, and where does that fit into the the funnel? I love them. I love tools as a strategy. We're producing a couple right now at FreshBooks. I've had. Uh, you know, success in the past, creating different tools. Actually, um, once created a Chrome extension that had like 3000 installs and then was removed from the Chrome store because it violated GDPR. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, yeah, I, I think tools are, are, um, extremely like popular, um, and like a, a really good source to get links for sure. Sure. And like even on, on my own website, um, seonotebook.com, I'm planning to re- release a little tool section where you can download different scripts to help you with your SEO. Interesting. And kind of in that vein, what are your thoughts on creating a piece of content and kind of optimizing it around the idea of getting social shares? Do you feel that that is impactful? Obviously, a lot most social media platforms are do no follow links. So I, I, I just curious if if you feel like optimizing for social engagement is actually a worthwhile strategy as well. I don't think um, social signals per se like um, influence SEO. And there was a really, really cool, it was actually an April Fool's Day experiment done by NPR, I think in like 2014. And they had this, and it just illustrates the point. So they, they created this article that was called Why America Doesn't Read Anymore. And like the, the actual social share image had like, you know, like, I don't know, some books on it or something and, and had that headline. Mm-hmm. And then all these people were like commenting like, yeah, great article. Can't believe like, you, you know, America doesn't read anymore and all this stuff. And then when you click through the actual article, there was no article there. Right. So, <laughs> so, so you kind of had all these people liking it and commenting on it, like, like they had read it. And to me, that just illustrates the point that like a like or a comment on social media or a share isn't necessarily an endorsement the same way a link is. Because if you think about a link, a link is an incredible endorsement because you're actually like diverting a person away from your page. You're saying, this is so good that I just want to like share this with the world. And I don't care if you don't come back to my website like that, you know, that that's, I mean, that's probably one of the insights that Larry and Sergey had Mm. back in when when they started Google around like 97 or whatever it was. And like why it's such a powerful thing, because people like generally like on a real website, if they're going to link, they feel like it's adding value. Right. So, right. Whereas a social share, uh, it's sort of, you know, like the point was, you know, shown that like people are not really, and in many cases, even reading the content. Yeah, oh, that's that's fascinating because 
uh, I mean, obviously with the link, there's also a certain amount of time and effort that goes into actually setting that up. Yeah. Whereas with the social share, it's, you can click a button and it's done. Great point. You can almost automate the entire thing. So I, it's really interesting in from an SEO standpoint, if you if there's some way to measure the amount of effort that somebody has to put in, that can also help you understand how likely they are to be driven further down the funnel. If somebody's willing to link out or if somebody's willing to take some more massive action from your content, that's going to make it much more likely that they'll engage with you again or convert into a customer down the road. Whereas if you're strictly relying on social media or things that are easy, that's probably not the best indicator of reliable people. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that, you know, it, often a good link comes with a completely newly written article, right? So that's a lot of effort in itself too. Yeah, for sure. If, if you were, if you were standing in front of somebody, a, a small business owner, you were an independent consultant, you needed their business and they were just telling you like, I know we got to do SEO. You're telling me I've got to do top of the funnel informational content. But if this business owner was super stingy about what's the clear measuring of the imp- of the impact or like what's how is it going to drive revenue? How would you actually sell needing to do top of the funnel content to a, a business owner like that? I'm going to tell that business owner that the pay, let's say it was a dentist, right? And it w- the bottom funnel page was like um, root canal surgery or something like that, right? So mm-hmm. nobody is going to link to your page about root canal surgery, but they may link to pages that are more informational, right? Like, so like, I don't know, drawing a little bit of a blank. I haven't worked for a dentist in quite some time, but <laughs> you know, that um, you, you basically would have like that bottom funnel page and then like, let's say like three or four or five like supporting pages. Mm-hmm. And then those supporting pages are the ones that earn you links because nobody's going to link to your bottom funnel content. And then you have to ensure you have like a proper interlinking uh, strategy that sort of helps take that, you know, link juice, so to speak, and, and funnel it down towards the main page. So if we're, if we're funneling something down from the top of the funnel down to the bottom, I think we don't give enough love to the middle of the funnel. It's not something we talk about enough in SEO. So let's let's discuss that here. What does what is the middle of the funnel according to you? What kind of resources, what kind of content belongs there and how can we utilize it better so that it actually gets discussed as part of the strategy because right now like a lot of SEOs will talk about that informational top of the funnel content. They'll talk about, you know, the bottom of the funnel core pages, but then everything in between that seems to get lost. Yeah. So, so I think I have like a really good example for you uh, from FreshBooks. And I'll just say that I think the top funnel content is not everybody who views that content is necessarily going to be a good fit for your business. Maybe only a small fraction of those. Sure. Uh, whereas the middle funnel content is somebody who is, is going to be a good fit for your business, but who just may not be ready to take the plunge at that moment. Right. So one of the uh, main keywords that, uh, you know, we have uh, ranked for is invoice template. Uh, we've done a great job um, at creating like a huge hub of content around that uh, because we know that anybody who's ready to create an invoice is ready to, you know, become a customer of FreshBooks, right? So uh, are you Googling it right now? No, no, no. <laughs> you can. I think we're ranking number one. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, um, the CPCs on that keyword are probably around like eight, eight or nine dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nothing like too extreme, but they're still really valuable um, clicks and really valuable pages. So like basically you have to like ask yourself, like, is this middle funnel content content, the type of content that your 
your user is going to be that that user is ready to like sort of purchase your product or at least are they a good fit for your product so you know that's really where you want to try and drill down on do you, do you feel like there are actually stages in between those? Do you think that three stages of the funnel is actually enough to properly separate the different people that are going to be landing on your pages? Well, I mean, like, I think that's where, I mean, that's an easy way to break it down for SEOs and content marketers. Mm-hmm. Maybe the way you could look at that a little bit differently is like the role that social media could play in that, like, you know, sort of um, being there while they're not perf- actively researching a product, right? While they're just like at home, like on their, on their, you know, Instagram feed or Facebook feed or whatever feed they, they, they tend to frequent and, and like looking at like other, other parts of the marketing mix be, be that like also programmatic advertising that can be sort of in there to to help with with each stage of the of the journey i, I want to talk a little bit more about freshbooks specifically and kind of what you're doing there so uh, for obviously for people that don't know every, most people are going to know this but freshbooks is small business accounting solution um, there are all kinds of things that you can do with freshbooks and it's a big it's a like you mentioned it's kind of like a good mix between you got the startup feel but also it's it's a mature company you're you're pushing over 50 million in annual revenue the last I was able to see so it's it's a real solid mature company it's obviously a a decent brand already so how does that experience working with a company like FreshBooks where people know the name of the company, people will associate you with that company um, and that brand, how does that differ being in this role as opposed to the earlier roles, just in terms of how it all feels and the the culture of the company. I love it. I mean, it's really cool to to work for, I don't want to say like we're a huge brand, but like an established sure. brand that a lot of people really like. And the, the interesting thing for me is like most of the uh, people that I, you know, sort of hang out with online on Facebook groups and stuff, like they're all either using QuickBooks or using FreshBooks or using something like that. So if I say like, you know, hey, I'm from FreshBooks, what do you think about like this X, Y, and Z strategy? They're like, oh, FreshBooks. Okay, cool. Like, I'm, I'm like totally willing to help you because I like your brand. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that's kind of neat. And then, yeah, just like in my own, like, um, you know, personal, uh, life, like people do contact me to, to sort of do some consulting and stuff like that. And I think they really like the fact that, you know, I'm working for an established company that they kind of mm-hmm. know, like, and trust. So, um, like I, I can sort of leverage that as well, like just in, in, uh, some of the stuff that I do, um, like in my office time. So it's, uh, it's been great. You know, I really, um, and I'm also like a, just a 10 minute bike ride away from the office too. So I really like That's that. Awesome. So you, you don't, you don't drive, you, you ride your bike. Yeah. I just ride my bike. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fun. I've never been able to do that before. Is, do you feel like there's added pressure, I guess, working with a more established company as opposed to an agency that maybe people don't even know? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, let's say, for example, like I'm, you know, talking about FreshBooks today and then I'm talking about how, you know, much I love it there and how the great job we're doing. And then like you can go look in our Ahrefs account and then you see that like there's the traffic isn't good, which it, it is good. But like, you know, people people can have that kind of window directly on what you're doing, which is right. kind of kind of puts the pressure on a little bit as an SEO because like they can t- check out you in either Ahrefs or SEM Rush and get an estimate of your organic traffic so i'm i'm kind of cognizant of that and uh, and work really hard to make sure that it is good that's yeah that's something i haven't really considered is when you work with these big brands people have every tool that they could possibly want to look into what you're accomplishing uh do you i mean do you have a a personal preference of of these tools by the way because 
I know that every SEO kind of has leans one way or the other. Yeah, I really like, uh, I've been using Ahrefs for as long as I can remember, and I really like that tool for, yeah, like, I like, um, there's a tool called uh, Cora, S-E-O, C-O-R-A, mm-hmm. that, I, that I use a lot. And uh, yeah, just like, yeah, I like uh, having a good, like, tool stack, uh, for sure. And um, yeah, don't want to go, like, too, like, deep into, like, how how many different tools we use, but like, yeah. <laughs> for sure, yeah. If you're talking to an in-house marketer right now, just like you're, you know, like yourself, but maybe somebody younger in their career, somebody that's a specialist still learning, what, what kind of advice would you give that new young marketer based off of the things that you've learned? I would sort of like point them like in, just say like focus on one, like you're going to have to, one of the things, like, let me back it up. So one of the things that um, the CEO of FreshBooks has said, uh, Mike McDermott, is that he loves like hiring people with passion because you can't pay someone to learn on their own time. So having having that passion or even take it a step further and like turn it into kind of like a, a healthy obsession is going to allow you to go a long way in this industry because mm-hmm. you're going to need to follow it really really closely and just speak frank frankly with them if you're not willing to do that you might not be successful in this industry because it it does move so quickly and you really have to take from the learnings of other people you have to read a lot and you have you also have to kind of understand where not to waste your time like like where to where to like not waste time on seo because there are a billion people trying to sell you different services to boost your rankings but you've got to know like what to separate and like what actually you know works and like you're going to get that through experience but you're you can also get that through talking with people in groups Mm -hmm. and one-on-one to me it sounds like you're an advocate of being more of a t-shaped marketer where you have one pillar that you're amazing at and then from there you can kind of build out some other skills that will be relevant but you really want to focus on that one thing do you do you believe uh, larry kim has said that you know there's such a thing as an m-shaped marketer even where you could have multiple disciplines that you're 100 percent proficient at and then you could have you know those those other intangibles and those other softer skills that connect them do you believe that that's actually possible to be that good at multiple things there's there's always this like thing where on LinkedIn every once in a while I'll see an uh, a job posting for SEO slash SEM manager so organic and paid manager combined mm-hmm. in one role and I always say that like you can't do it. I don't think you can do it in SEO anymore. Like I really don't. I don't think you, I mean, other disciplines maybe where like you have like set best practices, you have Google telling you, you know, how to organize your ad groups and all the rest. And there's very clear cut definitions on how to do things. But with SEO, there's no rule book. There's no, there's no like one like handbook that you can just follow. And I, I really think that you have to like be very dedicated. I mean, Sure. Would learning Facebook ads be like a a tremendous benefit to any marketer along with SEO? Absolutely. But like, depending on how deep you want to go with SEO, like you can just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. So that like never stops. So I I think that if you want to split your time, you're going to have to sacrifice some of the knowledge that you could have uh, learned if you were to just dedicate yourself to SEO. I I have one final question for you. So just just kind of wrap things up around this whole, you know, taking into consideration the entire journey through your content. 
for marketers who, so if, if you're in their in-house, maybe they're a decision maker, an SEO manager like yourself, if you know that you need to make a shift in your company's content, do you have a process that you could give to a person in that situation that would make this as easy and effective as possible? So like you're asking me like if we wanted to like suddenly like change the type of content that we're doing. I just want to make sure the question is. Or just, yeah, just if if we're coming to the table with, you know, we have a content strategy, but it's very, I guess, not really well established. We are really only focusing on bottom of the funnel content because that's what the CEO would value, for example. And you're a marketer that knows we need to add more to the top and middle of the funnel in terms of content. What, what process could you give to that person yeah, to make it as easy as possible? possible. Cool. So I think I understand the question better now. So um, like basically like one of the things I would uh, suggest right off the bat is look at the people also ask questions that are related to your brand. So just put in something very like very sort of very like high like you know broad keyword and just see mm -hmm. what people also ask topics come out of that. And then you know once you start clicking those like carousels they just keep populating and populating right. So that's going to give you like a lot of ideas in terms of what type of con top of funnel content you can produce. There are also like tools like keywordtool.io that you can put in a keyword and it will give you all the auto completes for, mm -hmm. for, for that keyword. And that's also going to help you generate some ideas for top funnel content. And then just obviously like looking at the, the search volumes and then additional like long tail variations on all of that stuff uh, is a great place to start. Awesome. Steve, it's been a pleasure talking SEO with you. I'm also an SEO guy, so I this was fantastic for me. I learned a lot and had a good discussion here. I would love to give you a chance just to talk about what you're doing at FreshBooks, talk about anything that you want to there, and then if you have anything else on the side that you'd like to talk about, the floor is kind of yours for a minute here. Yeah, thanks so much. So yeah, FreshBooks, I'm really just enjoying riding this like wave. There was somebody who did a video case study on us a few weeks ago about the success we've been having there on LinkedIn. And that was just such a like an awesome sort of story. And like, yeah, I was just like really, really honored to to have that uh, take place and like just basically highlight a lot of the great work that we were doing from a totally like unbiased third party source. So just going to continue riding that wave as long as possible. And uh, just um recently started an email newsletter called seonotebook.com and uh, the idea behind that is that you know I've just been taking so many notes over time and a lot of times they were buried in slack messages or they were emailed to me or they were all kind of all over the place so I just started writing everything down in Evernote and on the website I basically every week will just email out one page from my notebook so yeah it's uh, it's gone really well thus far it's only been around for about a month and I'm up to a thousand subscribers. So like, that's a hugely like surprising thing for me just to see it grow that quickly. And yeah, if you want to learn more about that, it's simply seonotebook.com. Cool. All right, Steve Toth, you head up SEO strategy at FreshBooks. It's been a pleasure talking with you and I uh, hope you come around again sometime soon in the future. For sure. Just, uh, yeah, if you want to reach me on, on that site, there's all my social stuff there as well. Perfect. And that's it for today's episode. Again, if you're a first time listener or you've been at it since the beginning, please go ahead and rate, review and subscribe if you haven't already. Wherever you get your podcasts, we've got you covered anywhere you want.